0: the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your
1: Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word.
2: If you were wanting to get a preview of the crucifixion, you could look at Psalm 22. It is one of the most amazing chapters in all the Bible, as it will declare so many things concerning the crucifixion, even before crucifixion became a means of death. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you on Exploring the Word. And today, if you would follow us and just have a Bible study with us, we're in John chapter 19. We're going to start with verse 16, and we'll see how far we go. As I said yesterday, we're taking our time through the gospel of John. It's it's not a book that you want to speed through. You go through it very slowly. There's so much there. So, Alex, mm-hmm. yesterday we had his trial. Let me say this, the mock trials, plural. Right. <laughs> and then we come in verse 16, it says, so he delivered, talking about Pilate, delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and led him away. And so that mm-hmm. set up verse 17, and they led him to the place of the skull called Golgotha. I know you have been there. Uh, there there's two different places outside of Jerusalem where the possibilities of, of the Golgotha and, and the, even the tomb there. But it is, if you ever get the opportunity... To go to Jerusalem, take it, and I want to just tell you, visiting either one of those two places where they could it could have been, and one of them is accurate. We don't know exactly which one. People have their choices in that. But, Alex, it's one of the most, I would say, uh, moving experiences of my life to be there where the crucifixion took place.
3: Amen. Well, yes, and uh, when I was there, I bought the book. There was a, a Gordon, they call it General Gordon, who was a British emissary who went there in the 19th century and, you know, really kind of surveyed the area and mapped it out, and... uh there's a book that you can buy there at the Garden Tomb that has all of his drawings and measurements and lots of historical stuff. And I got to tell you, it was kind of an expensive book, but I bought it anyway. And I'm so glad. And and I really do believe um, the the Golgotha that's outside the city walls, the place of the skull, which, um, you know, if, if you stand in a certain place, I mean, it really does look like a skull, doesn't it, Bert? It
2: really does. And, and I would agree with you The greater likelihood is that, but again, it's kind of like Christmas Day. We Oh, that's not his birthday. It could have been. It may not have been, but it's when we celebrate. It's not which hill it is. It's what took place on that Mount Calvary, isn't it?
3: Well, it really is. It really is. And, you know, you mentioned that we've been going fairly slowly through the Gospel of John. Uh, the the great, great preacher John MacArthur, uh, I had once read that on Sunday mornings, he spent a decade going through the Gospel of John, 10 years. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know that we'll go that long. I, I, in fact, I'm pretty certain we won't take 10 years, but it is worth drilling down deeply. And as we get, you know, we resume in John 19, hey, I just want to give a, a praise about, you know, everybody that uh, every Christian has a uh, an, an impact they leave. And I got word uh, late yesterday, one of our longtime listeners and a dear, dear friend to this ministry, uh, John Carruthers, passed away on December 23rd, and um, he was the dearest Christian brother, and in fact, he was a champion for AFR Radio, loved... The ministries of American Family Association. And uh, very often you could see him around Tupelo because he rode a bicycle. And, um, you know, I don't know when he stopped driving, but frankly, and we love this brother, it worried me that he would ride a bicycle in traffic, you know. But I was speaking at the Cove about a year ago, the Billy Graham Training Center, and there are people from all over North America. Well, there was Mr. Carruthers. (laughs) And, Uh, folks, this man radiated the joy of the Lord. He had a smile and a countenance about him that was just so full of the Holy Spirit. And when I heard that he had gone on to heaven, spent his first Christmas in heaven uh, this year, uh, what a dear brother. And may God bless all the John Carruthers of the world. And Bert, we we all need to shine like that, don't we? We really do. Alex, thank
2: you for bringing that up and He was a great brother. Matter of fact, on that trip, last trip, he called me up to ask, Bert, are you heading to hear Alex, at the cove? And (laughs) uh, so he found his way up there, and we praise the Lord for his way to heaven. That is the way that Jesus paid it all. All to him we owe. Sin leaves a crimson stain, but Jesus is able to wash it white as snow. And so when Brother Carruthers entered into that glory, I I got a feeling he heard these words, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, and, Alex, that was a joy for you to bring that up, brother. Thank you.
3: Well, as we get back into John 19, I mean, let me just say this. It's uh, another reminder. Look, folks, w- what else is there to live for but for Jesus, you know? And uh, maximize on Jesus because I, this life is very brief, isn't it, Bert? I mean, it goes by so quickly And what we do for the Lord Jesus and for the sake of the gospel, that is the most important thing in in this world.
2: And if you need more help, there's a number you can call. There are partners, 800-NEED-HIM. You can do 800 or 888, either one. Both of those go to it. 888-NEED-HIM, and there's some people there who will help you. Well, Alex, in verse 17 and 18, he bore his own cross. There we don't hear, if you have a... Uh, Let me say, if you have a harmony of the Gospels, and Mm -hmm. you could especially, I don't know of any other place that it helps more than at the crucifixion of Christ to have the harmony of the Gospels. Now, what I mean by that, they have Matthew, and then they have Mark, Luke, and John, and they have them side by side, and they alternate and tell you which, what came, when, and where. And it is one of the most helpful things. I remember taking that course in New Testament at Blue Mountain College and I got a hold of my first Harmony of the Gospels and Mm -hmm. I still have that book and I still take it down when it comes to the cross and looking and making sure of all the things when it occurred during this period of time Yes, but they crucified him one thief on one side one on the other and again that's in Psalm 22 I I opened the program with that it's amazing and so Alex here is Jesus the center of 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 the two crosses, either side of him, is that a picture of Jesus dying for the world as well? You know, he died oh, for know, sinners like us, didn't he not?
3: You know, you and I talked about this several years ago, how really on Mount Calvary it is like a microcosm of the human race. I mean, you've got Jesus, the center point, the focal point of human history. And even to this day, we talk about B.C. and A.D., the world before the coming of Jesus, and then everything that's happened since. And then you've got uh, what in old times they would call the penitent thief, repentance. If you're in a state of repentance, you are penitent. So there there was one thief being crucified who said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Then there was the unbelieving thief, and it is, look, this world, there are those who have Christ and those who need Christ. That's that's really the dividing line of humanity. So this is very pictorial of of the world, isn't it? And by the way, let me just say, you and I have also talked about, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about mountains, you know, the mountains of Moriah, uh, Mount Sinai and Mount Calvary. You're you're standing on one of those two mountains. Do you know that? Sinai represents law. And if you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. i if you're trying to get to heaven on self-righteousness, you need to leave Mount Sinai and come on over to Mount Calvary Amen. where, in grace, Jesus paid your sin debt.
2: Amen, brother. That is the truth. And uh, I, I just want to tell you, to get into heaven on your own merit is impossible. You mm-hmm. uh perfection. No man is perfect, perfect. Jesus Christ is the only one that meets that criteria. Everyone fails. And no matter what sin it is, it's like jumping a chasm, Alex. If that chasm was ten feet wide and you made it nine feet and eleven, nine feet eleven inches, guess what? You'd still come short as mm. much as the guy that just jumped out two inches. He made it just two inches across. The result right. is the same.
3: If so, you've missed, you've missed. If you've
2: missed, you missed. And and he says that Jesus is in the center. Jesus is the centerpiece of history. You're talking about B.C. and A.D. They tried to take Christ out of it, and they call it before the common era, B.C.E. And I said, well, what era are you talking about? And they said, well, the common era. I said, when did that common era start? It, started, it started with Jesus Christ. So they, they try to take Jesus out of everything. And I'm just telling you, it's kind of like we've been reading here. And you made a great statement yesterday. Here's these heretics, these evil people trying to do what's right. But in their statements, they reveal who Jesus Christ is. And here oh. the people say, B C E, they don't even know. They're revealing who Jesus is. That is awesome.
3: Well, and Bert, you know, I don't mean to spiritualize too much, but in verse 16 of John 19, it says, they took Jesus and led him away. Like you say, the people that changed the calendar, you know, the common era, not the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, but C.E., they've tried to lead Jesus away. I think about professors, some professors, and they very uh, erroneously, they'll deny that Jesus even lived. Or they'll say, well, maybe he did live, but he wasn't the Son of God. They've tried to lead Jesus away. But you know what we're trying to do? And our calling, and we've got the Holy Spirit helping us, we're trying to lead Jesus to people and people to Jesus. And so, you know, this this is a beautiful story of the greatest act of love. Even Jordan Peterson, the famed psychologist out of Canada, I don't completely know where he is spiritually, but he... he online, he'll say the greatest act of love, the most heroic deed, the greatest action ever in world history, was that the Son of God was willing to be nailed to a cross to take our our punishment. Now, yesterday we talked a fair amount about Pilate. Verse 19, Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross, and the writing was, quote, "...Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." This title then read many of the Jews, for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh to the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Well, Bert, uh, this title in three languages, Jesus, King of the Jews, uh, they didn't like that, did they?
2: (laughs) They did not. They said, I want you—they'd gotten their way with uh, Pilate so far, so they thought they'd get the rest of it. Don't say he is, say he said he was— And Pilate said, with some backbone, what I've written, I've written. Amen. And he stood. And today, we want you to know who Jesus is. He is King of the Jews, but he is your Savior. I pray that he is.
1: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
0: Today we pray for Angus King, Senator from the state of Maine. He has served as Senator since 2013 and is the state's former governor. Philippians 2:3 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Angus King as he serves the state of Maine. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Satan isn't just after us. He's after our kids. Dr. Tony Evans says it's been that way since clear back in Genesis 3.16. He'll talk about the enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent as we spend two minutes with Tony.
0: Why is the family so important to Satan? I'll tell you why. Because the battle would be waged by the seed, by the offspring. And so Satan wants to destroy your family not only because he wants you, but because he wants the next generation. And if he can get the next generation before you have a chance to mold them, shape them, steer them, direct them, guide them, help them. If he can get them because of a messed up home, he not only now has your home, he has their home. And so it becomes a generational problem. Why? Because the battle is being waged by the seeds. And the tragedy is that Christians today are still fighting flesh and blood rather than principalities and powers and world forces that are devastating. it, And so that's why we've got to fight for the family because whoever controls the family controls the future. And that's why we've got to fight against men walking off from their families because they're getting too tired or it is too hard. That's why we've got to fight against women who are so in love with the workplace that they neglect the seed that is the next generation. There is a battle on and he wants to get your family. Because Satan understands something that many Christians don't, and that is God does not work in a context of disunity.
1: Learn more about how to protect yourself and your family in Dr. Evans' book, Warfare, a look at how to live in the spiritual victory Christ died to give you. Get details today at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, 23, and 24.
0: American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the
1: Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm held to the
2: flame like I am right? Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex here. And on this Wednesday, we're going through John 19. If you have a copy of the Word of God, we hope you'll join us because it is filled with glory. By the way, if you want to watch us along with hearing us, you can go to streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net, or we're on Exploring the Word Facebook, so you can get us either way and uh, we hope that you can do that and we are enjoying this uh, i'm having to get used to looking at a camera a little bit more alex than i did before yeah. and uh so anyway but it's good i can look at the screen and see you man uh that's that's exciting i don't just hear you i can get to
3: see you well back at you brother it's great to be with you and it's great to have everybody with us in john chapter 19. you mentioned just before the break in verse 22 pilot uh, with some backbone, uh, I guess better late than never. But he said, what I have written, I have written. Uh, uh, he showed a little fortitude there, and it's about time, isn't it? It
2: is. And
3: and this is what we're saying to you
2: who are listening. Today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. We do not know what a day may bring. I, was, I wasn't I watching the football game that happened Monday night between the Buffalo Bills and and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but I saw the replay of the young man that America and the world has been praying for, uh, and and he is. We got the report that there's some improvement there, but here he Amen. was. He made that tackle, stood up, and then in two seconds he was flat of his back, and his heart had even quit beating. I, mm. I again that helped me to understand the brevity of life. And yes. we want you who are listening today to trust Jesus Christ. Don't don't think that you'll have plenty of time. Uh, procrastination is one of the great, great tools of Satan, isn't it, Alex? Well, it
3: really is. You know, we've had the question, people say, well, will this or that send me to hell? Uh, well, I'll tell you, like you said, what has cost many people eternity is procrastination. And so, uh, we don't know about tomorrow, but you have this day. And one of the beautiful things about the Word of God in Romans ten thirteen it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We love to say this. Jesus is as close by as a prayer. Some of you, maybe you need to come to Jesus. Some of you need to come back to Jesus. And today, what a great day to do that. But, um, you know, as I'm reading in John nineteen twenty three and following, and it talks about the soldiers... Uh, that after they had crucified Jesus, they, you know, uh, took his garment, and they said, uh, hey, don't don't tear it up or rip it up. We can uh, cast lots for it and gamble. Uh, there's Something you ought to watch um, or listen to, rather, online, I'm sure you can find it, there's a recording of Johnny Cash. He's doing this recitation called One Solitary Life. Very moving. Bert, I don't know if you've ever heard it but it was about, you know, he was born in an obscure village, and yet no life in 20 centuries has ever changed the world as much as Jesus. And there's he recites this part where the, the centurions gambled for Jesus's garment, and uh, One Solitary Life tells this story very poetically and very movingly. So look what you've got. You've got the political leader, Pilate, the religious leaders arguing over the title. And to this day, people argue over who Jesus was. Then you've got these soldiers gam- casting lots, gambling for his clothing, clueless to the fact that the only means of salvation is taking place. And then you've got the people that loved him in 25. they stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. In a way, Bert, you got three groups here. The political and the religious, they're oblivious to the significance of Jesus. You've got the secular world just gambling, and uh, but then you've got the believers that love Jesus. Now, folks, whether you're actively rejecting Jesus or just obliviously living, not even trying to think about it, or you're a follower, you're in one of those camps. You you really are. And, Bert, so much I'll throw it back to you. In the crucifixion and even those present there that day, from the thieves on the hillside to the people at, at the ground, um, it really is pictorial of the human race and the world even today, isn't it? It really is, and
2: our Irish audience is that way. We have those that are working, those are at home, those that are incarcerated, those that are doing so many things, those that saying, well, I've done this all my life. Some say, man, I've never heard of the love of God in such a way. Even today, that is so true. So that's why we make a—and and today is a perfect day for salvation. And going over these passages, I was reading and preparing, Alex, I said, today is the day of salvation for some people. I really do believe that. One more thing I want to say about verse 25. It says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Guess where you find that? You find that in Psalm 22. As I said, it it is an amazing accuracy. A thousand years, possibly, close to a thousand years before this ever happened, Psalm 22 was written And it is so descriptive of the crucifixion of Christ. And notice what it says in verse 26. It brings us up to one of the sayings of Jesus on the cross. And I want to talk about that for a moment. But it says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. Now, Alex, we honestly believe, and I, I think this is in common agreement, that it was the Apostle John. Uh, in the Gospel of John, he just doesn't refer to himself too much. He, and he uses that phrase, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, I want to say that, and I'll throw it back to you. Does that say he's so proud and cocky? No, I think it is humble. And he, he is saying, I was such a person. That he would love me because he is one of the sons of thunder that wanted to call down uh, judgment on people. He was one of the men that brought that he brought far unto himself. And uh, so, John, this is a statement of humility that unlovable as he was, God loved him as well. So, Alex, I love that statement, and and we need to know that that God loves us, so he loved the world. He loves us, that he would give his only son, unique son, Jesus Christ. And you was talking about the man from Canada. It is the greatest demonstration of love there's ever been. But even on the cross, here it is, he was not just thinking of himself, he was thinking of his mother. He was the eldest born, so it was his responsibility to take care of his, his mother. And even on the cross, he was not just taking care of her spiritual
3: need. Here, he was taking care of her physical need, Alex. Isn't that something? You know, here's a question we might ask ourselves. Um, how much could God trust me with? You know? I mean, you think about this. Uh, Mary, um, you know, blessed are you among women. You know, the the mother of Jesus, right? Okay. One of the most important figures in history. Uh, we don't want to elevate her. Uh, above Jesus, of course, but seriously, you know um, God, in his sovereignty, selected a very special person to bring the baby Jesus into the world, and just think from the cross and and many preachers have preached on the fact here 's Jesus suffering, dying for the sins of the world, unimaginable, immeasurable pain and agony, and yet he 's thinking of others. He says, "You know, son, behold thy mother, and goodness, what a what a sacred trust. Jesus is dying, g- going to leave this world, and Mary, however old she might have been, um, he was making sure that his mother was cared for. By the way, let me just say, uh, and I think you and I could maybe do a special sermon on the, the sacred privilege of looking after elderly parents. Oh, wow. that's a
2: great uh, That's a great point. You and I both I've had some of those responsibilities, you even more yeah. than myself. Uh, coming from a family of nine and six of them being my sisters, I had a lot of help caring for my mom and my dad. Yeah. But, but Alex, it is, uh, let me say, what a
3: privilege. But yes. we need
2: to take it as a responsibility as well. Take the responsibility we, we really- that becomes a privilege. Would you
3: state it that way? Yeah, and, and let me say this. There is a precedent here, and and I don't want to get off of the subject of the crucifixion, I mean, that's what's going on here. But let me just say, here's Jesus, and before he leaves this world, he makes sure that his mother is cared for. Now the question comes up, what happened to Joseph? Uh, We don't know. Most scholars believe at some point prior to the public ministry of Jesus, um, somehow or another, Joseph passed away. And Joseph, of course, was Jesus's earthly daddy, not his father, because Jesus was born of a virgin. But, Bert, you know, again, I'll make this point. I think there is the precedent here that the Lord set the example. You look after your parents. Amen.
2: Well said, Alex. Let me say this real quickly before we go. This is one of the sayings of Jesus on the cross. And before we go on, we go. You have three of them right here close together in the book of John. Let me list them. We'll get to I thirst, and then we get to the great, great victory. It is finished. But there were seven <laughs> sayings on the cross. Let me recommend a book. Author W. Pink wrote a book, "The Seven Sayings of the Savior on the Cross." I found it. I've read several. I found author W. Pink on this one. This is old. He's an older writer. Uh, he was very reformed, but and I would say that, and he'd hit the ball out of the park on this book, The Seven Saiyans of the Savior on the Cross. If you can get that, it will be well worth your time. Alex, let me give them t- real quickly. We're we not going to go over this, but this is something that's good for everyone to hear, and you can go, and if you don't get them all, you can go and preview this, and you can uh, look at it and hear it and write them down if you don't get them the first time. The first one was, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. That's in Luke 23:34, And then Luke 23:43 says, Today you will be with me in paradise. That was to the thief that we talked about earlier on the cross that accepted him. And then this is the third one, Woman, behold your son. This is John, of course. And then in Matthew, the only one we have in Matthew and Mark where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was when the darkness occurred. Mm-hmm. Again, Matthew 27, Mark 15. And then two more in the book of John right here close to the end. I thirst, mm-hmm. and then it is finished. And probably the last one that you have is in Luke twenty-three forty-six, yeah. where it says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. These are called the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross. And Alex, again, one of the if if anybody's looking for a series of sermons or a series of teaching points, study those. And
3: I, I'm telling you, each there's a sermon in each one of them, brother. There, there really is. If I could also recommend a book along those lines, "Last Words of Jesus" is written by a, a colleague and friend named Stuart Epperson, E P P E R S O N, and the foreword is by David Jeremiah, if I recall. But um, Last Words of Jesus, the Epperson book, I think the subtitle is uh, Seven Words of Life from the Tree of Death. And and that too is a good book, but I'm glad you gave those. And you're you're right, uh, of course, um, you know, after he said, I thirst, uh, Bert, that's always kind of tugged at my heart. You know, here is God incarnate, and yet remember, even hanging on the cross, though, he is still in the 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 person of the incarnation, fully God, fully man, but not fallen man, and and you've got to understand, you know, the the baby Jesus that grew up into the boy Jesus and Christ, the the man, he had a central nervous system like every human being, those nails in his hands and his feet, he felt um, the pain, uh, the crown of thorns, the whipping, and here he is on the cross. And it was, by the way, this was prophesied, but verse 28, he says, I thirst in the human, in the human um, nature of the incarnate Lord. He felt hunger, pain, thirst. And he noticed he didn't use, and this is very key. He did not in any way use his supernatural abilities to diminish the pain that he was under. You know, hey,
2: Alex, the only time he used those supernatural Was for others. You look through it all, not a single time was it that of selfishness of moving. The only thing that even gives a hint of that is when he would move through the crowds. And we still don't know exactly how he did it. He may have just went through, or he could have done that, but it was never for his selfish gain. Even when he was moving through the crowds, not wanting them to make him king other times, not wanting them to stone him, he was doing it for others so he would make it to the cross. And so yes. that is the selflessness of Jesus Christ, Alex. You said it well, brother.
3: Yeah, yeah. And he didn't—you know, You know, we have a saying about to drink the, the cup or drink that bitter cup. Well, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, you know, if there be any other way, may this cup pass from me. But he didn't. He, he went all the way through— and he was thirsty on the cross, and there was a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a the sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. Now, you know, David, the psalmist, wrote, Wash me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Here is an instrument of cleansing that's part of the act whereby we could be cleansed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, I've said this, Bert, I'm going to say this and throw it to you. Look, all these details, all these prophecies, the greatest demonstration of love, and the victory over the cross, Shakespeare wishes (laughs) he could have written a story this deep and profound. And P.S., this one's true. It is reality.
2: Only God. Let me say that again. Only God could tell this story. Only God could fulfill this story. Now, tomorrow, we're going to get to one of the greatest phrases in all the Bible. You don't want to miss tomorrow. It is finished. But until then, you can make a call for today. That number, triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero.
1: When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net.
3: Learning Learn University. University.
1: That wasn't stereo right there, fellas. <laughs> that That's uh, We were struggling. The bumblebee was called the humblebee.
3: Is that true?
1: Chicken legs are also called drumsticks. Yeah. yeah, that's not a good ice cream flavor. They've got some little tiny saddles that they put <laughs> on those dragons. Unfortunately, you can only ride them one because then they turn around and take <laughs> yeah. your leg off. <laughs> hey, Andrew, you want to ask you're it? I'm so excited about getting on. I missed my exit. <laughs> <laughs> Friday mornings at 10 Central on American Family Radio. Hello, everyone, I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, in June and September of 2023. And we're going to have a wonderful time seeing Washington and seeing Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington. We're going to go there on the Saturday. We're there. Everywhere we go, Stephen McDowell will be giving us a talk on the Christian heritage of America. And that's very important and it's lost in much of our popular culture today. But Stephen McDowell of the Providence Foundation is a dear brother and has been going with me on these tours for many, many years. I just wouldn't do it without him. He is just an invaluable source, if you will, of information. So we're going to Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and George Washington's Mount Vernon. And then we're also going to Jamestown, Williamsburg, and Yorktown. If you want to go with us, then go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com.
0: Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A friend of mine who pastors a church in Nigeria once said to me, you know, America has sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation before it. But the nation that once sent missionaries has now become the mission field. As you consider the calling God has for you, I just want to remind you that just as other nations need missionaries, we need missionaries in America, too. There are a lot of neighborhoods right here in our country that desperately need evangelism and discipleship. Let's not forget about them. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner.
1: Or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio.
3: finding myself in the midst of you. Beyond the music, beyond the noise
0: all
3: that i need welcome back to exploring the word. Exploring, the word exploring word on the american family radio network hey i want to remind you we have a facebook page and uh very often we put things up and we interact with people also you can contact us Uh, Word at AFR.net is a good email address. It will come to Bert and I, word at AFR.net. Final thing I would say about AFR.net, there is so much incredible programming, not only archived uh, versions of Exploring the Word and Today's Issues and airing the Addisons, and then also this week, Bert, I'm very excited that Jenna Ellis started on AFR in the Morning and just is really great, and I had the privilege of interviewing her. Uh, I guess it was last week I was doing the Hamilton Corner, and we had Jenna Ellis on. But um, so much good programming just to inform, inspire, equip you. And uh, check out AFR.net and let others know about it as well.
2: It is. It's great. And let me remind you, we've got the lines that are open, triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. And Alex, you are right again. And by the way, Sandy Rios that you get, we're gonna you're gonna be able to get her some because her podcast, her podcast is gonna come up. She got tired of getting up so early in the morning getting ready for that program. And uh, she had done a great job ten years of that, and now Jenna Ellis is there, so we praise God for that. But we want to go to her phone calls, and again, that number, and we have lines that are open, triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero. 589 8840 Alex and I have made a New Year's resolution. We're going to get to as many calls as we can and <laughs> uh, let you know give answers that are precise and accurate, and uh, that's what we try to do. So we're going to try to do that today. So let's go to Mississippi. Welcome, Janice, to Exploring the Word. Uh,
0: yes, I, I want to know, uh, what was uh, a Stephen Stone?
2: Okay, thank you, Janice. That's in Acts chapter 7 and then you get a little bit of the results of it in chapter 8 and here he is you listen to these words Dennis, and i think you'll get it verse 51 i'm just going to preach part of his sermon alex you stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears you always resist the holy spirit as your fathers did so which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and they kill those who foretold the coming of the just one of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. He goes on, and Alex, they just couldn't take that sermon that was so powerful and so strong. And there was a young man there named Saul that was going to make sure he paid for preaching the gospel, wasn't he?
3: Well, yeah, you know, in Acts 8.1, it says Saul was consenting to his death and the word there, it, it, interesting word, you know, Saul of Tarsus, who later would become the Apostle Paul, he he basically made the decision for Stephen to get taken out, and the word there translated consenting means of one mind. In other words, Saul, who at that point was persecuting the church because he was not yet born again, he ha- had his mind made up, I'm going to get that guy. I mean, that's about it, wasn't it, Bert? It really was, and they
2: went along. Ju- Listen, the leadership is so real. Just like in the crucifixion that we've been talking, yes, there were lay people there who were saying, crucify, crucify them. but the loudest voices, the most ones that were trying to turn them was the religious leaders, the high priest, the priest, the Sanhedrin, the elders, and so here it is. They're angry at what he says, but here's... Saul consenting to their death the leader and saying this is what you need to do so uh, that's the it importance was, of leadership alex we need to
3: have godly leadership don't we it was it was canceled culture even way back then it really was and, and Stephen got canceled in the worst way okay thank you janice
2: let's go to this is pretty nuts. start out with mississippi my home state secondly we go to north carolina alex's home state and talk to brandon welcome brandon
1: Hey guys, uh, this is more or less a, a recommendation question. But pre-Reformation, there was an author by the name Thomas Kempis who wrote the Imitation of Christ, and um, right. it's a it's a well-known book. And uh, it's I think it's other than the Bible itself, it's the most reinterpreted, or you know, what I'm saying uh, yeah, book right up there with Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, it's been translated. Yeah, and what you think about it?
2: Okay. Uh, What's your recommendations on it? Thank you. Go ahead, Alex. You're the you're well, yeah. the authority of the books.
3: <laughs> well, you know, you're right. This was a German uh, man kind of right before the Reformation, and I think it's a very good thing because it says that on his tombstone he lived to imitate Christ. And I, I think it's a good book. It's a Christian classic. It's never been out of print. Um, I think everything in it is 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 Biblical, I've never read anything in it that I would call heretical. Um, And so I I would say, good, I'm I'm thrilled people are still talking about this book, and I would encourage people to read it. Well, let me tell you, it was part
2: of my required reading by me at Blue Mountain College. We had to read that book and write write a paper on it and give it to you. And so, Brandon, I think you're in good standing with that. Again, there have been other great books that's been written, But listen, we had some great theologians. We think, oh, we've been enlightened, and we have great theologians. Now, some of the greatest theologians was real early in the life of the church. And so uh, go back and read some of their writings, and you will be blessed. Let's go to Kansas and talk to Larry.
1: Thank you, Larry, for calling today. Oh, Oh, yeah. I'm calling from Manhattan, Kansas, and uh, I just want to I just want to tell you guys I've been a long time listener of uh conservative news talk uh radio but uh you know I I can't get away from your your uh, program AFA <laughs> from morning to afternoon it they're just it just grabs me so uh, it's so uh, so exciting to hear that and so uplifting and 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 just so much good stuff that I could use on a daily basis uh, in my witness, and everything else. So I just really appreciate you guys. I hope you keep it up, and I, I'm going to do everything I can to tell other people about
3: you. Wow. You. Amen, bless Larry. You. Alex, Well, that's God awesome, bless you, brother. About a year ago this time, I was in Wichita, Kansas, to preach, and just the finest people you'd ever meet anywhere. And so I'm thankful, uh, dear friend, that we've got listeners like you everywhere, in Kansas especially. But Bert, um, there's an old hymn. It says, "We've a story to tell to the nations." Do you remember? I do. That? It's
2: not sung much anymore, but I sung it as a as a teenager in our home church. I rem- Man, when it came time to take a mission offering, that's the song that they would sing.
3: Well, you know, I met somebody in the Atlanta airport uh, just actually it was right before Christmas. Angie and I were traveling, and they said um, we listened to Afr and. You guys just sound so passionate about it and like you you really mean it. And I said, "Well, we do." <laughs> we, we do, don't we?
2: Well, sometimes my
3: passion can
2: override and uh first first week that I was on this program, uh Jeff Reed was my uh, board op and producer. He said, "Brother, back then we didn't have microphones that you put uh right in front of your mouth. You had one standing. I hit it so many times." He said, Brother Burt, you got to quit talking with all your hands all the time. And uh, it was, it's, it is real for us, Larry. Uh, I couldn't fake this excitement if I tried. And I'm more excited about Jesus right now. I've been following him 58 years. I'll say 58 Praise years ago. And I, I am emotional about that. And I love him more today than I ever have in my life. And uh, I pray that you remember that old song? The, old, the the longer I serve him, the sweeter, the sweeter. he grows.
3: Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Well, let's go to Arkansas and talk to Keith. Welcome, Keith.
1: Hey, good afternoon, Bert and Alex. Enjoy, you guys. I get to listen to you every afternoon on the way home from work.
3: Well, thank you, Keith. Oh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah. I've got a kind of fast question I hope for you. Uh, if it's in the
3: Bible, i missed it. but what kind of garden was the Garden of Gethsemane? Amen. Yeah. Hey, hey I love that's that a, question. That's a great question. Alex? It was we, olive trees. Yeah, we've been there, haven't we? We have. And do you know what? Olive trees grow so slowly and so big that there are olive trees there. And if you go to the Holy Land, and Tim Wildman leads tours there often, uh, but— some of the trees that are the very, very large olive trees that are alive there right now would have been probably little saplings, but were there at the time of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Alex,
2: going through that garden, I I don't know what your tour did, but they gave us time to pray and to go and pray at the same place that Jesus prayed prayed in that garden was, yes. I, I mean, I, I going through this gospels, the way we're doing it, especially at this time, uh, you can't help but relive the the feelings that you had when you were in that garden, knowing that this is the victory. The victory was won in the garden before Jesus even went to the cross when he yeah. said, not my will, but your will be done. And so we want you to win the victory in your life. Trust Christ now. Don't wait for a more convenient season. Trust Christ now.
3: Uh, did, did he say he had a second part to his question, too?
2: I don't think so. He That was it. He was wanting to know oh, okay. what kind of garden it was. It wasn't like the garden we grow here in Mississippi with tomatoes and cabbage and things. It was the olive trees. And let me say this, Alex, just real quickly. we got time to do this. I, I was amazed at the stones and the rocks that were in that garden. They were all around, too, weren't they?
3: They really were. And, you know, um, we mentioned earlier that very famously the Pool of Siloam has been excavated, absolutely 100% authentic site where Jesus performed a healing. And, And, you know, there are some things in the Holy Land that they're maybe a little ambiguous on, but like the Garden of Gethsemane, no question. I mean, that is where the Lord prayed and experienced hematidrosis and sweated drops of blood, uh, on his way to the cross. And so, folks, whether you can ever visit there or not, look, this is real. I mean, you read your Bible, you are reading history that really happened, and it really matters to each and every human being for all times. Amen.
2: Well, we want to go to the great state of Louisiana and talk to Hazel. Welcome, Hazel.
1: Oh, thank you for taking my call. My question is coming from Act. And I was reading, in starting at 12, where they went to the upper room, and they gave the names of the ones that went there, and they said, Judas, son of James, were there. My first
0: question is, is this Judas, it's Carriot, that betrayed Jesus? And is James, the brother of Jesus? And then the second part of the question is, Judas, it was in the same
1: text of reading, Judas bought a field with the money he got for his evil act. So are we talking a different Judas? Because I've always heard Judas is carriot. and I'll hang up and listen.
2: Thank you, Hazel. There was two Judases that were apostles. You had Judas's Carrot, and many times you'd say the other Judas. And Jude or Judas or any combination of that word Judah was a very common, common name in that day. And so, Alex, it was a different Judas in this time. Judas Iscariot died, and the only thing it refers to him in the book of Acts is he pertained, gained part of the ministry, and he was to be replaced because he went out and, and hung himself. So so that is
3: a different Judasism. Am I right? Uh, you're right. Do you know there are eight uh, variations of that name? Judas or Judah or Justice, sometimes pronounced There there are eight people in the Bible, and they're all different, eight eight different people. So, yeah, you're right, that was a very common name. But the the Acts chapter 12, uh, that was definitely, definitely not Judas Iscariot, the betrayer of Jesus.
2: And let me say this, you mentioned this, Jesus did have half-brothers with those two names, probably the writer of Jude and definitely the writer of the book of James, and they became believers after the resurrection. If you remember what he did before them, they were kind of mocking him. And, and so, no, they became followers of Christ themselves. Thank you so Matthew much. 13. Yeah. Hazel, you thank read, you. Yeah. Yeah. Douglas from Kansas. Man, Kansas is coming through today. Welcome, Douglas. Hey, guys. Uh, I appreciate your
0: passion because I'm passionate myself. And I just wanted to make a quick comment. You brought up two hymns that I just uh, started singing in the car when you mentioned them. <laughs> and uh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm 65 years old, brought up at the church, loved those old hymns. I love new stuff. I really do. But I'm telling you, those old hymns speak like nothing else and just warms my soul. And just goes I just go into worship every time I, I sing an old hymn. So just my little comment on that, guys. Thank you.
2: Well, let me say I mean, something. I my I, I love the new I knew, I love new songs. I love them, but I have to tell you, I really lean to those new ones where they've incorporated the older hymns. Oh, glorious day, because they incorporate the old hymn. One day when heaven was filled with its, Glory. you know, Alex, and and the uh, the writer just does a great job. Hymns, uh, some of those older hymns are powerful. And the reason there's so many of them, the ones that weren't good have been forgotten. <laughs> but the, yeah. the, the great hymn, and, and we have some modern-day songs, we say, man, they're not as good. Well, some of them are. But when you look back at hymns, you're looking at hundreds of years of collections of hymns, and we've got just a great number. Whereas when we're talking about modern-day songs, yeah, there's some awesome ones, but you've got some that's not so great. But we do need to sing more of the hymns. Incorporate them. That's where I'm at now. Incorporate some of those older hymns with some of the new ones. And I want to tell you, it brings the house down in worship.
3: Well, and I'm glad that we're remembering some of those great ones like Jesus Saves, Jesus Saves. You know, Give the Winds a Mighty Voice and uh, we've a Story to Tell to the Nations. And I love to tell the story. Uh, they're kind of from the age of missions, weren't they, Bert? They
2: really were. And thank you for calling. We didn't get to George, Audrey, John. We but we did get to six callers, so we're we're hitting our mark. We need to keep on. We're going to do our best to get as many callers in 23 than we've ever gotten before. So, Alex, uh, you ready to take on it tomorrow?
3: Let's do it, folks. Thank you for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus.